uh, even if you understand the divine sonship of Jesus, you're missing something every Christmas if you don't get into the context of it. Context matters. And the context of humanity, as the Bible states it, the context of humanity as, the, as we approach the coming of the light of the world is that we are in a state of utter darkness. You know, speaking of context, the most widely read Bible prophecy about Christmas almost always is read outside of its context. You never read about the surrounding verses. So we're going to do that tonight. You know the one I'm talking about. It's the verse that starts, unto us a child is born. Well, what's the context of those words? Which are 700 years old, by the way, when Mary and Joseph were strolling into Bethlehem that fateful night. Well, here's the context. They are the words of Isaiah, the prophet, chapter 8, verse 20. Look to God's instruction and teachings, because people who contradict his word are completely in the dark. They'll go from one place to another, weary and hungry, and because they're hungry, they will rage and curse their king and their God. And they will look up to heaven, and then they'll look down to the earth, but wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown out into utter darkness. That's the context, friends, of the most famous Christmas prophecy you've ever heard. Because it's into this kind of world, this world plagued by utter darkness that Jesus comes. Now, what has cast us into this abysmal state? Well, Isaiah isn't shy about telling us it's about ignoring God. I mean, just ignore him. Ignore his instruction, ignore his way, ignore the conscience that he's given us, ignore his law and his teachings. But here's the thing. Though the Bible states that here we are in utter darkness, we don't really often see ourselves in a world that's that dark, and why not? Well, because we try, as the reading mentioned uh, earlier this evening, we try to light it ourselves. We kind of try to pretend that we can make a day on our own. Uh, we pat ourselves on the back. We try to treat our neighbor with some measure of kindness. We make up some rules uh, that help us feel like at least we tried to fix the problems. But we're so lost, men and women, boys and girls, we're so lost that very often we don't even see that our desires are so low. Our desires are so small just to live in a world where we can hope not to offend people, where we can barely tolerate each other. This is light. No, friends, this is not light. This is just pretend daylight. And so if you will, with me right now, will you just blow out your candle? Because maybe it's blowing down a little bit. Make sure Junior doesn't have fire in his hands too long. But go ahead and blow it out now. Because, friends, here, this, this is the true predicament. This is the true state of affairs. According to the Apostle Paul, without God and without hope in this world. Uh, let me illustrate. Uh, there's a card game, uh, which I'm maybe embarrassed to tell you that I know about, called Cards Against Humanity. It's described as a party game for horrible people. And uh, it does something that kind of illustrates... Uh, the darkness that we don't necessarily see as darkness. Basic premise of the game, answer a question printed on black, uh, black card with a taboo or irreverent or politically incorrect or downright evil answer. Well, this holiday season, the game maker launched Black Friday by digging a giant hole funded by donations from card players. And so on the website, holidayhole.com, 
we read. As long as the money keeps coming in, we'll keep digging. And so they dedicated the hole set up by Cards Against Humanity. And viewers could watch a backhoe that was just digging a hole in the ground, a live feed camera on YouTube, just live streaming, a hole being dug. And then last Sunday, just last Sunday, men and women, their Twitter account read, Hole Got Dug. According to the site, over $100,000 was raised to dig, quote, the tremendous hole in the earth. In a frequently asked questions on the Holiday Hole website, questions were given. Where is the hole? Cards Against Humanity, America, and in our hearts. What's the purpose? There's no deeper meaning or purpose to the hole, the site reads. Why aren't you giving all this money to charity? Question. Answer. Why aren't you giving the money to charity? It's your money. You know, the hole is supposed to be funny, of course, and according to the frequently asked questions, quote, quote, you might not get it for a while, but sometime next year you'll chuckle quietly to yourself and remember all this business about the hole, it reads. This wasn't the first stunt uh, done by the company, by the way, uh, to honor the commercial holiday in last year, 2015. It sold nothing for $5. That's right. For $5, you could buy nothing, and they raised $60,000. This year... Uh, it dug a meaningless hole. What a symbol. Yeah? What a symbol. The emptiness of our lives built on materialism and selfishness and essentially the vacuousness, friends, the vacuum of meaning. How, how profound it was that they said, where is this hole? In America and in our hearts. <laughs> what a symbol for the dearth of hope that we would actually give money to the digging of a meaningless hole. There's something about that hole we can relate to, friends, because what is a hole? A hole isn't really something, right? The hole is the absence of something. The hole is the absence of dirt in a particular space. It's the absence of anything in a particular space. It's a hole. Friends, what is darkness? Darkness really isn't something. It isn't anything except it is the absence of something, right? It's the absence of light. That's all that darkness really is. And so we see it growing. And whether we're ready to admit it or not, it's growing in our day, in our culture. And uh, we see different uh, measurements of it. Not just the pervasive anecdotal evidence of emptiness in people's lives, the, material, uh, the emptiness of, of the pursuit of material gain. We see now in the last five years, the suicide rate in our country has, here, here's the actual number, it's tripled. Tripled. Uh, opioid use is now at epidemic levels. Friends, darkness, it's upon us. And we thought that darkness maybe would look more like Mordor than this, didn't we? We thought it would look a whole lot more like surrounded by orcs and evil wizards and stuff like that. We thought that maybe the darkness would look more like a Nazi prison camp, you know, with, uh, you know, jack boots and Heil Hitler and uh, guns pointed in our faces. As it turns out, uh, we've made ourselves a little prison of darkness full of rainbows and unicorns. Where the rainbows are gray and the unicorns are decidedly violent. And we built this sort of this by this 24-7 version of comfort and ease of life and pleasure, visual stimulation, and having all of our needs met, cradle to grave. And what has that left us with, friends? Darkness. Because there's a dearth of meaning. There's just no meaning on the inside. And friends, 
the human heart can endure unbelievable amounts of pain and hardship and toil and persevere through the most incredible hells on earth if there's meaning and purpose and a sense of design for your life. But where that's missing, you could have no end of pleasure and comfort and your life could be considered worth nothing and you could be on suicide watch. That's the truth, friends. And so maybe this wasn't the darkness that you thought darkness would look like. It wouldn't look so, like such an affluent pleasure dome as we currently live in. But yet, this is the darkness we inhabit. And so we look anywhere, as the Bible says, and we look everywhere. And we look high, and we look low, and we look everywhere. But to God, the designer, the creator of our lives, for meaning and purpose and an answer to the vacuum within. So we had all these candles lit tonight in a sort of reverse candle lighting, friends, to illustrate the pretend light, to illustrate how we try to light our world by our own efforts, to define right and wrong by our own lights, as it were. And so the Bible says we look up and down and we look everywhere. Now, here's the good news. But God, but God, but God, but God did not stand idly by, but God would intervene, but God crashed the scene, but God. And so remember that 700-year-old prophecy, 700 years old at the time of Mary and Joseph, the one that begins, where are we looking? Up and down and everywhere. We are cast into utter darkness. Well, Isaiah keeps going, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when the Galilee of the Gentiles, which, by the way, was where the Lord Jesus grew up and did most of his ministry, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. Now, hear the hope in these words, friends. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you, O Lord, as people rejoice at the harvest, and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just like you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned and they will be fuel for the fire. God will break the bonds of our darkness. Now, how will he do it? Well, now we get to these familiar words. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting father prince of peace his government and its peace will never end he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor david for all eternity the passionate commitment of the lord of heaven's armies will make this happen how will he make it happen by messiah who will come the coming of jesus friends christians have believed this the coming of jesus breaks the spell of our darkness because it exposes how false and limited and doomed our attempts at lighting our world really are. And he replaces all that false effort with true light, a kind of grace, friends, that you could never work for 
or attain or merit or deserve a true light that could come to you and break the bonds of meaningless darkness in your life. The Apostle Paul will put it like this. Life was in him, Jesus. And that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness. And yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man named John who was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light, the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now, friend, I ask you this. Are you tired of lighting your world on your own? Because maybe you'd recognize it in your own efforts to keep the family unit together, to achieve something of lasting value at your career, at your work, to try to bring peace to troubled relationships where there's brokenness. And you're just trying to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. And you're trying to light your own candle. Well, friend, I'm telling you, that is an effort that's doomed to failure unless you will invite the true light, the true light that gives light to everyone into your own heart. And then maybe your heart, friend, could no longer be the empty, meaningless hole. Instead, it could be a manger. Could your heart be a manger this year? A place to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, look at it. It's humble. It's really nothing. And that's what a manger is, right? It's, it's just a cattle trough. That's what a manger is. And maybe in humility, you'd say, that's what my heart is. My, my heart is a humble place. It's really full of a lot of emptiness and straw. And that's what it is. Friends, again, again, and anew and afresh this Christmas. Let your heart be the manger that receives the true light who gives light to everyone. And by faith, well, 2017 is going to be a different year for you because there's going to be no more pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. There's going to be a kind of dependence, a kind of beautiful dependence on the light of the world to light your world. So now we're going to sing again that, that haunting carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We're going to do it after I pray. And so let's now bow our heads and once again receive the Christ child in faith. Oh God, we thank you that you did not leave us alone. You did not let us simply stew in a self-created darkness, something that we had really made for ourselves. Thank you, Lord, that you bust through our pretense and all the pretending that we've done, thinking we could make this on our own. No, what Christmas tells us, Lord, is that we need grace. Oh, we need grace. We need grace and power and something we can't muster on our own. And so our hearts dwell in this kind of darkness that Isaiah talked about, longing and pining for the coming of God with us. And so, God, let our hearts be a manger and let the Lord Jesus come. Let him come. Let him come. Let him bring his forgiving light. Let him bring his guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit inside so that we might be Jesus' people in this dark world, proclaiming him until he comes again. I pray this in the name of Jesus. And God's people agreed and said, amen. Now let's sing this closing carol together.